time for some Wheel Nerds. What is that? Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 56. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. Alaska. Is it even a state? I think so. No. Pretty sure. No. They have license no. plates. And no. Their own currency? Nope. Yes, they do have their own currency. It's called bear. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's the exchange rate on a bear to an American dollar these days? <laughs> Three chomps to the face. Oh, okay. That's really hard to do on your fingers. Back in the studio for an, another week. Another week? This is unprecedented. Dun, 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 dun. And we got a lot of ground to cover. Oh my god, have we got ground to cover. So, first up, we got sent uh, this. Batpod. Batpod! <laughs> oh, this one came from uh, Call J! I'm not sure he's the Call J guy. I think he's just J. No, he's Call J! Okay. Anyway, this is a Batpod that was made by a guy in Korea, I Vietnam? guess? Vietnam. Vietnam. For 500 bucks. $500. And this thing is kind of... It's a fully functioning bike. Yeah, it's fairly rad, yeah. actually. He's got a movie of it and everything, and he's got some sort of uh, basic motor in there. He's got the seat down. It doesn't have quite the extreme lying on your face no, kind it, of thing. No, it looks more like he, he set it up to be a bike he rides every day. That he could actually ride, yep, which, yep. you know, And it looks badass for 500 bucks. Yeah, that's kind of rad. That is pretty rad. I, I want one of these. If you can dream it, you can do it, Chuck. He just needs the bat suit. Mm. He can get that bat suit from the armor it, replica it, it'll place. It'll cost substantially more than the bike. S- several times more than the bike. <laughs> but it'll be so cool. <laughs> I bet he could get the Adam West one a lot cheaper. Uh, uh, next, remember we talked to Joel last week? He was telling us about that bike. Oh, yeah, the bike with the funny tank. Yeah, he sent us like a picture, of, of uh, a close-up picture of the of the gas tank. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoa! That's uh, that's what he's using to hold the tank down. It looks like the uh, the screw adjustment for like a uh, like one of those deck covers. It looks like a really bad idea. It looks like a terrible idea. We'll put this up there, and it wow, <laughs> that is, is ill conceived. Yes, that yes, should, it is. Should not be <laughs> going to hurt when you hit it. And speaking of things that should not be, let's jump right into the classifieds. Oh yes. So our first one comes from Norfolk. I'll start this one. Okay. This chick bike is the perfect fit with fat tanks. Rub them. And shorty shocks. Straddle them. 883 custom lovingly bored out to 1200. Very faithful. Unlike my husband. Please don't let her end up in divorce court. Title is clean. While all good Harleys have a rich velvety history, word to the wise. Oral sex with an old acquaintance is still sex. After you're married. Did I say she's loud and spontaneous like me? Now, who wouldn't like that? This is a high quality bike. Brought to you by a low-quality husband. She needs to be well-loved and cared for. Oh, yeah. Also for sale, one quarter-carat diamond solitaire from Every Kiss Begins with K. As in keep your marriage vows. If you're interested in the bike, please call or email me. If you're interested in my husband, contact him at serial number... Number, number, something. If you send nude photos, he organizes them into categories and shows them to his buddies in the garage. Underneath it all, she's a fine bike. With super jugs. There's a lot of anger in this ad. She's not bitter. No. (laughs) No, not the least. This ad did not last online very long. No, I figured not. She either sold the bike or had to take it down because she was getting so much weird email or Lord knows. This this so, one, the yeah. serial number part, you think that means he's in jail? Uh, You know, it could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems possible. He cheats, he's in jail, and she's selling the Harley out from under him. Mm. <laughs> that is awesome. This is a bike fraught with, with history. 
I'm sure he won't come after the bike. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, next up, okay, it's a perfect 1973 Honda CB350 for two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. Runs flawlessly. Must see. Must sell. <laughs> I suspect that I will once I get a hold of it. <laughs> you so, know, you just if you're going to put runs flawlessly in your ad, you don't want to park the bike over the giant oil stain. <laughs> no, no. This is a uh, – It's. Uh, it looks like it's cafeed out and has pipes which do not have anything resembling shine on them or perhaps even are clean. The tank's all dented up and it's over a giant oil stain, which appears to be dribbling out of it actively as we're looking at the picture. I could see parts falling off of it actively. Yeah. And it's a, a picture. I like the fact that the chain is all rusty. I like the fact that he's got the bungee cords on the back. That's also good. Although those are probably there for a reason because they're holding the seat up. <laughs> I thought they were holding the frame together. Uh, sixes. <laughs> you know. Hey, look. He's got shocks like mine. Yes. Yes, he does. And probably every bit is good. <laughs> boingy, 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 boingy. 2750. Do you think that's real money? No, this, I don't this know. This is Canada. Yeah. Do they use money in Canada? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah? Yeah, they have they have funny bills with lots of colors on them. Angry listener emails? No. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, Canadian dollar is worth like one change of ours now, I think. So this is actually a $3,500 bike. <laughs> Shut up. We don't want to hear about other countries here. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. La, my la, bad. La, 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 la. So if you're in Canada and want a honey of a deal on a 350cc POS... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so if this was twenty seven fifty here, no. <laughs> how much would you pay for this bike? I would be hard pressed to pay much over five six hundred for this bike. Mm-hmm. If it actually runs well, then five six hundred is quite reasonable. Mm-hmm. I would do that. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then fuck him. No. If it's how, actively leaking oil, forget it. How many bear would you pay for this bike? Uh, I believe I would do one point seven five bear. Point seven five bear is of course ten skunks. Mm, sounds fair. Mm. Sign me up. Next up, I say the bat pod was really cool. Yeah, bat pod's awesome. Fuck the bat pod. Fuck the bat. Wow. <laughs> this is a 2003 Ruckus. Stretch and slammed. Five grand. A 12 by 8 wheel. New five spoke 12 by 3 wheel up front. A 170 cc motor with oil or cooler. Because otherwise it will grenade itself. Max wiring harness. Look at that thing. Jesus Christ. It really is a stretched and slammed ruckus. <laughs> that thing looks awesome. Okay. Now, yeah. Normally, I'm not that, like, excited about these, you know, ripped out, lengthened bikes or something. I would totally ride this. This is a ruckus. This thing looks completely kick-ass. It is so cool. I, I, this is the coolest ruckus <laughs> the world has ever seen. Oh, my. Oh, Lord. It's It's got... An immaculate paint job. The wheels are clearly really well done. Awesome looking solid steel rims. This thing is is cherry. I mean, it's awesome. This is a custom where the guy had a vision and he made it work. You know what? It really works, actually. I like it. It kicks butt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to ride it. I don't want to pay five grand for it. (laughs) Which how many how many bear would you pay for this bike? What do you think? How many bear? I'm thinking three bear. Three bear? Three bear. Really? That's it? Because, you know, once you get past the novelty factor of this really cool stretched and slam ruckus, mm-hmm. you, you've got a ruckus. Well, you've got 170cc, which is not really a ruckus. It's ruckus in name only at that point. I'm not going to tour on it. No. I'm not going to commute on it. No. No, you're going to go out to State Street and wait for Billy to pull up on his El Civico <laughs> and you're going to drag him on your fucking ruckus. You're like, what's up, man? CVT, continuously variable, bitch. <laughs> How many years you got? I got infinity. <laughs> fucking get some. That, that's a pretty specific use. Get some. 
really – I'm not sure Sally's going to hop on that. Is there a back to hop on? Uh, yeah, it's a wheel. Yeah. And a pipe upper. So, butt. you know, it, it's a pretty <laughs> – it's pretty specific. It's, it's got it's got some real specific uses in mind. Clearly, yeah. yeah. I mean, Still. You, you go to bike shows. That that's what you're going to do with this. Yeah. But yeah. man, that's cool. I might ride around on it just to be an asshat on general principle. <laughs> be like, yo, check my ride. It weighs less than I do. That's not a very exclusive list. Go to hell. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, friends. Are you aware that sheep are a constant problem on the road out there? Yes, sheep are causing motorcycle accidents today. Wow, today's a really great day. I'm riding, the sky's out, the sun is shining, everything's really cool. <laughs> oh my god, what's that? Ow! Yes, sheep are menacing motorcyclists today. And that's why you need the Todco Sheep Detector. The Todco Sheep Detector detects lanolin from a distance of as long as half a mile. Wow, it's a really nice day. The sun is shining. Sheep. Yeah. Oh. sheep. What, what, what's that? Sheep. What? Sheep. What? Sheep. Oh, sheep. oh, sheep. slow down. Sheep. Slow. Sheep. 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 Thank you, Todco. The Todco Sheep Detector helps keep you safe from sheep on the road. From Todco. So Sunday we got to do another cool ride. Yes, indeed. I really wish we'd had one of those Todco sheep detectors, though. That would have been really handy at the point where we ran into the sheep. Again. <laughs> right on the coolest part of Wolf's Creek. Yeah, it's like it's like they know. I really... You know what was great for me was uh, when we were kind of edging by them. Yeah, I was up in the front, as usual, honking my horn wildly at the sheep. The sheep were, like, jumping over the railing to get away? Yeah, that was really funny, actually. I was counting them. Because there was, like, like, a major steep slope on the other side. I'm sure they jumped the railing and rolled down. And I was just watching them go over. One sheep, two sheep, three sheep. It's unsafe. That's how the crash happened. <laughs> I don't know what it is with the fucking sheep. They Everywhere were we go. They're right there. there at the best. Right where ride. we're accelerating into the big awesome S turn, there's the fucking sheep. And then and then we go into it and I'm like starting to think like I'm gonna speed up now and I put my hand up to cover up the sun and I look up through the turn and there's more fucking sheep up in the turn. <laughs> God damn it. Pretty bad. What is it with the damn sheep? And the sheepdogs are looking at us like, oh yeah, that was my favorite part. There's this big old sheepdog sitting there on the side of the road, and he looks at me and kind of does this like that that tentative tail wag dogs do when they're not sure. <laughs> He's like, oh hey, Hi. oh you're leaving. <laughs> now I'm stuck with all these goddamn sheep again. We learned something else on that ride. Yes, we're really bad at promoting our own show. <laughs> yes, we are. We stopped at this cafe in Hannah. We didn't have any cards or anything. No cards, no, no, no nothing. We're we're really bad at this. <laughs> Fortunately, our friend Claire had some cards. We passed them out. So we had an idea. Mm. You guys help us do that. If you were to mail us a self-addressed stamped envelope, I will mail back to you a bunch of cards. And you need to solemnly swear to distribute them or I will next mail you parts from my Buell. But wait, there's more. If you sign up your friends to give out Will Nerds cards, your friends can give out tens cards and you'll get parts of a parts of a Buell for each one of the cards they give out. If their friends give out cards, you'll get a percentage of the cards their cards give out. Pyramid. Soon you can retire from your job and give out Will Nerds cards all the time what? and eat cards. What part of the the, the pyramid here, do they get the sheep alarm? The Tadco sheep alarm is available from fine motorcycle stores everywhere. <laughs>
But yes, help us promote the show. Send send us a uh, self-addressed stamped envelope. That thing. We might even throw a sticker in if you give out the cards. Who yeah. Knows? Our address is Wheel Nerds, P.O. Box 902045, Sandy, Utah, 84090. The address is also on our website, wheelnerds.com. Make all your friends listen. Yes. One of us. One of us. Spread the pain. I like to write in the small groups. Me, yeah. you, Claire. You know, that's that's a nice little compact. It's a good, good size. We we saw the other end of that spectrum. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're coming down, and sport bikes start to go by us. And then they keep going by us. And they keep going by us. By the time they'd all gone by us, we were looking at 70-something sport bikes, wearing T-shirts, most of them. There were some cruisers, too, mixed in there. There were a couple mixed in there, yeah. but by and large, it seemed to be mostly sport bikes. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, organized by uh, a dealer. Oh, really? Yeah. And I guess they had three bikes go down. <laughs> or at least the, uh, they called it the Immigration Canyon. Ride. That's it? Just that, Emigration Canyon? Yeah, and had three of them go down. We went through Emigration Canyon in seven minutes. Yeah. And this, this I should note, is, is one of the more populous canyons in the Salt Lake area. Yeah, there's like a ton of cyclists, hikers, dogs, cats, ghosts, aliens. Sheep. Sheep. Well, no, no sheep. Moose. Oh, yeah. Moose. Largely a moose? sheep-free. Yeah, moose. Yeah. You've seen moose? So, yeah, it was, it was mighty strange, but, yeah, three people went down, yeah. one of whom turned out to be the uh, boyfriend of one of Clara's friends. Yes. Who he talked to on the phone and was like, oh, man, I saw a bunch of people out. We should go riding sometime. And she's like, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> My boyfriend was on some big ride with a bunch of other bikes, and he went down. So Claire's like, wait a minute. The boyfriend, I pieced this together from looking at the Facebook page. Uh-huh. Remember the bike we saw with the GoPro? Yeah. There was one guy with a GoPro. He was right in front of the GoPro when he went down. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, man. So look for that on YouTube, I guess. So he won't, he won't forget that. Nope. Well, that's what friends are for, right? It was interesting to follow the Facebook thread because uh, apparently someone from the Yamaha track school was saying, you know, hey, once you got yourself all back together, come on out to Yamaha track school at Miller. And, and we'll make you not suck. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll get back into it and we'll be taught to not suck. Not on that bike. I saw the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that bike is not a bike. Oh, God, this thing is heavy. Yep. Todd brought in his new jacket. My new hipster jacket. It's an Aerostitch Darien. Nope. No? It's an Aerostitch Falstaff. It's an Aerostitch. Why does it say Darien? Uh, Darien's the uh, jacket it's based off of that all of oh, the okay. extra parts are from. Okay. So it's a, uh, this is Aerostitch's waxed cotton jacket. So that's why it's called the Falstaff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep, because it's made to, you know, sound like Bellstaff, and plus Falstaff is the drunken lout in Shakespeare plays. He's fun. What? Who? Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> Falstaff. Great Shakespeare character. You'd get along swimmingly with him. Shakespeare. Wrote things. Those pieces of paper that they bind together inside the other little foldy things. Porn? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> but so this this is actually a wax cotton jacket. This is really cool. I like this. It's I, heavy. I dig it. Too. Yeah, it weighs a shitload. I got the box and I was like, "Whoa! What you else know, is in here?" You know, it's like ninety five degrees right now, right? Yeah, yeah. The funny thing about it is, it's actually not bad in the heat when you're moving. Okay. I think a lot of that comes from the venting it's got. So this jacket has got great venting. It's got a big vent on the back, and it's got those like pit vents. Okay. Um, but then the other thing you do is you leave the sleeves open, and the jacket material is so stiff that it opens up and the air blows right in. I've started doing that with my jackets. Since yeah. You told me about it. Yeah. It, you know, it's pretty awesome. Oh God. Yeah, don't go in there. Wow. <laughs> it's full of Todd. Uh, Pretty sweet jacket. The armor, I'm really impressed the with. The armor is incredible here. This is... 
Yeah, and the back pad's actually something I added afterwards. So Arrow Stitch, the funny thing about it is it seems kind of baggy at first, but I fortunately read some of the reviews, and I guess wax cotton jackets. So I guess we should we should start by just talking about the jacket. So this is a okay. three-quarter length jacket made of this heavy wax cotton, oil-skinny kind of fabric. Hipsters would love this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. I mean, uh, they do. They do, <laughs> riding what's, vintage bikes. What's that band you were telling me about? Uh, you've never heard of them. <laughs> It's cool brown color. It's got uh, great armor all through it. Uh, the thing that's really impressed the hell out of me most about it is the fit and finish of it. Aerostitch, you know, the, the, I got that pair of gloves from them that I thought was going to be just eh mm-hmm. and turned out to be actually really well thought out. You know, it doesn't have all the fancy tech stuff, but like everything it has is just kind of right. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding the jacket is very much in the same boat. The armor sits right where it's supposed to sit. The jacket has the best collar I've ever had in a jacket in my life. Just the nicest collar ever. It does feel really nice. Oh, just handling it. Fantastic. It's like this super soft suede kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Not sure what it is. This particular one is, I haven't tested its waterproofness yet, but everybody says it's quite waterproof. Well, wax cotton, right? So Yeah. And then uh, the inside, the liner is actually cotton. So my main worry is like, I don't see this being the one to wear for a really long soaking multiple day rainstorm. Mm-hmm. But I mostly use this just for banging around the city. You know, I wear this in a pair of Carhartts and helmet and gloves and boots and go about my business. So would you say, you know, now that you've bought two things from Arrow Stitch, that the, the price differential is, the, it's a step up in quality that matches you know, I'm, that? I'm starting to think so. Yeah? I really am. This is two things from Arrow Stitch now, and both of them I have found to be extremely good. Mm. Uh, they're clearly not made for fashion. I mean, none of their stuff is particularly good looking. The Darien is the best looking, probably, of anything they make, mm-hmm. um, which isn't <laughs> say much for the rest of their stuff. <laughs> You can almost hear the clown music when he's putting it if on. If you want to look like an old guy, this is the place to go. <laughs> that said, that yeah, they really their whole message of we're really good at this, we've been working on this, we ride it, we live it. I'm starting to buy it, quite frankly. Everything I've gotten from them so far has been really good. Has done what it says on the tin and done so with a really really high level of polish. So I, you know, to me, I'm I'm interested now. I'm like I'm like geez, I, I wonder Falstaff pants, Darien pants to go with this thing for a little more longer riding, maybe an hour stitch suit in the future to replace mm-hmm. my beater. Mm-hmm. I don't have money for any of these things, but... <laughs> That's true. You have a child on the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I'll be buying that jacket from you in about four months? Uh, I don't think it'll fit you. I think it'll go on you like a tent, <laughs> but you'll be able to sleep in it. It's larger than your daughter and probably weighs more. There's a lot of things larger than my daughter. Good point. Good point. My, my dog is larger than my daughter. <laughs> He's a small dog. But yeah, I think I think on the whole, the uh, wax cotton's gotten kind of a bad rap. People think of it as like that old crappy fabric that people yeah. used. And, you know, it's not bad at all. It breathes I, pretty well. It's, I love the idea of wax cotton. It looks nice. It, it feels nice. It's yeah. really a, it's a great fabric. It speaks to the hipster in me. Yeah. Well, and frankly, it's just it's pleasant to wear. Is mm-hmm. one of the big things about it that I'm finding. It's much more pleasant to wear. Granted, I wear this big, heavy, super armor jacket, and I put on my Olympia Stealth when we go out on the weekends. Yeah. And I feel like I'm naked in the <laughs> mesh. It's ridiculous. I've seen you take the mesh off. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually naked under the mesh, so that's not entirely inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But it's been hot as hell, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> miserably hot. No one can blame you for a little bit of naked time. Yeah, so in keeping with that, um, I think we should talk to somebody who knows about hot weather gear. Hot leather gear? No, no. Hot Uh, hot weather gear. Yeah. (sighs) Why are you looking at me like that? Let's talk to Joanne. Oh, okay. So we're on again with Joanne, the gear chick. Joanne, how's it going? It's going good. How's it going, nerd? Hot. (laughs) It's damn hot. 
shit hot. What are you, Brian? Were you born on the surface of the sun? I'm what? I feel yeah. sorry for you. It's uh, beautiful down here. Feel sorry for me. I have to sit next to him. I Robin can't help Williams you there. went out 10 years ago. Yeah, well, you know, he's still right. It's hot. <laughs> we actually had one of our listeners write in and ask us about hot weather gear and what suggestions we had. And we were thinking, well, we can suggest what we have and how awful my gear smells. But realistically, we should probably get somebody who knows a lot about gear on. <laughs> but they weren't available, so we called you. Oh, great. But- <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. I'm joking. No angry letters. <laughs> we were hoping you could talk to us a little about hot weather gear, Joanne, because people, people always assume mesh is the only option in hot weather, which seems right. like maybe that's not the case and yeah. seems right. awful oversimplified. So what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Just approaching the hot weather in general, right? Riding in heat. People forget one really important part in your gear and aside from just mesh and ventilated gear because there's a ton there's a lot of ventilated summer riding options out there every company makes something for everybody but one thing everyone forgets is base layer Mm -hmm. because it sounds counterintuitive but hey this is motorcycling everything is counterintuitive right (laughs) everything is totally opposite from what you know right from driving a car you start riding a motorcycle and it's a completely different planet counter steering, counterweighting, all this weird stuff. If the same goes for gear. Your base layer is as important as the summer gear you are wearing. Your base layer can make or break your willingness and comfort level really to wear even summer gear and it makes your gear better. And that's true for cold weather and hot weather. So my first recommendation is invest in top to bottom base layers, either a tank top or a sleeveless um, shirt or a long sleeve shirt and long pants or shorts. Now, are you talking like the the very form fitting like shirt and shorts stuff that like Klim makes or? A lot of companies make stuff. If you just go to like REI or your local, whatever sports stores you have up there, Sports Authority, I don't know, whatever your chain is, here it's REI Sports Basement. Walk into your local outdoor camping spot. Any place that sells snow gear or skiing gear or running clothes, active wear, you're going to find really great shirts and pants that are, yeah, very form-fitting. They're meant to be pretty snug against your skin so that they can wick the moisture away. Not so and much, feel sexy. But, well, and look sexy. But also... <laughs> Put your shirt back on right also, now. you know, functionally, it's going to wick the sweat away and keep you more comfortable. It's not that you're going to stop sweating. What it does is it kind of keeps you at this temperature where you're warm, you're sweating, but you're not overheating. And it keeps your gear from sticking to you. It seems like you'd want that airflow between the jacket and your body, too, just to help you with that convective and uh, conductive heat loss. Which is so bad in the winter and is so great in the summer. Sure. So I recommend something that's more motorcycle specific. Not that, you know, running wear doesn't work very well or jogging base layers or yoga pants don't work. But the beauty about motorcycle specific base layers is that the seams are flat. They're strategically placed, so there's not seams everywhere up against your skin. Very specifically poking you in the butt, despite the fact that you have a really nice seat. Well, uh, I've not had that problem specifically, but I have had the problem where I've worn Under Armour pants and the seat wore out quickly because they're not meant for sitting. They're not designed for heavy sitting, right, for long periods of time. They're for running, walking, jogging, skiing, running, you know, things that are you're upright and active. Whereas my climb base layer, it's a ladies' two-piece called the Solstice. It's also a, a review on my website. Shameless it doesn't wear plug. out there. I, hey, I got a plug. That's why I'm here, right? <laughs> not only for my knowledge, but my ability to plug. 
But there's, of course, Clem makes a ton of options for men as well. But what's great is I don't feel the same. It's super comfortable. The fit is great for distance and sitting for long periods of time. So there's not like bunching behind my knees, seams mm-hmm. on my forearms, which is something I experienced when I bought a running shirt. My God, there's a lot of seams on my forearms and it was driving me crazy. <laughs> So your base layer is key. After you figure that out, there are many options for ventilated gear. And it's all, again, driven by your body type because what fits one person doesn't necessarily fit another person. So I'll throw out a few names that, um, of course, are, are available for men as well. But these are all options that are specifically available for women. Um, my first recommendation is for Olympia, and that's the air glide. There's also a matching pant that's also fully meshed. It's also an overpant full leg zippers, only a waterproof liner. The switchback jacket is all mesh, no thermal liner, a waterproof liner. So it's a little less expensive, but it's only for hot and like fall weather, spring weather. And again, same for men. And the Olympia cut is best for the curvier body type. Yes, it is. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. You left out my favorite Olympia mesh item, which is the stealth suit. Mm, yes. Which, but- if you want to look a bit dorky, but be really cool and pleasant, because you can wear very thin base layers under this suit all day long, the stealth suit is where it's at. Very you know, true. It's, it's even dorkier when he takes the stealth suit off and he's wearing, like, these weird shorts with socks that go up past his knees. And, these and a pair of armored boots. Yeah. Socks. That's <laughs> and right. suspenders. Oh, yeah. Ski socks. And thin, same, ultra thin yeah. ski socks. When it's really hot out, you're, right, you're sweating like crazy, especially your feet. If you don't have a nice breathable sock, your feet are going to be miserable. Everyone else around you is going to be miserable because your feet are going to stink. So get a really nice smart wool sock or a synthetic, something that's breathable and is going to keep your feet really comfortable. It'll definitely reduce the sweat and the smell, and it'll just keep your feet more comfortable, too. I like Bridgetails. They're really, really breathable, and they're the only one that I find thin enough that's comfortable in my armored boots or my ski boots. Bridgetails? Mm-hmm. Is that like a ski sock? Or? It's like a ski sock brand. They're a pretty high-end brand. You know, they'll be like a couple bucks more than Smart Wool, but they're exceptional socks. Okay. Yeah. Tons of options. Smart Wool's great. Merino synthetics are nice, too. So there's there's a lot of options out there for that. My next uh, recommendation is for Revit. For men's and ladies, they have two outfits that are really great. Similar to Olympia. One is summer only, and that's called the Airwave. Pant and jacket. No lining, actually, though. No waterproof liner. It's just really nice mesh but it's actually a closed weave mesh so you know how when you look at some mesh jackets the weave is really open it's like a big waffle weave and you can see right through it immediately right sure yeah makes the problem if you're naked underneath right yes yes it is (laughs) but the the airwave is a denser mesh so you still get really great breathability because you if you hold it up you can actually see right through it but visibly it looks a little denser and i think dense enough well for hot weather, you nerds. It'll still give you the breathability you want for hot weather, but being really strong, very abrasion resistant. You know, same with the Olympia products. So these, I think, these particular um, brands and styles I'm recommending, I think, are on the higher end in terms of abrasion resistance, heat resistance, and durability. Hopefully, you won't crash a lot, but if you do have the unfortunate, uh, you know, incident of crashing once and maybe twice, they shouldn't be disposable. Whereas, you know, a lot of mesh gear that you pay 60, 70 bucks for, it's really one-time thing. So one, one other thing I noticed that I really like about the Olympia stuff, and I see mm-hmm. Revit doing this too, is for some reason a lot of these manufacturers figure, well, it's motorcycle gear and it's summer gear, so I must make it black. 
<laughs> what? That, well, <laughs> I, I don't think it's driven by their preference so much as black cells. That's what the color like. black is what a lot of people want. I don't Billy know goes why. into the cycle gear and he's like, I want to look like Batman. Or that yeah, that color guess, cell. But it gets so damn hot. Typically, the colors you see are now black, always black, but silver is really coming in there. But black is cheap and easy. So what do you think about the whole airflow debate? Because that's, that's been kind of kicked around in uh, on the internet. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. So it, it went something like the mesh is good up to a certain point. Basically, like when the ambient temperature gets up to the point of where it's your body temperature, mesh is good yeah. there because it'll still cool you when you're having all that air. And okay. they're saying actually above that point, you want something that reduces the airflow so you can sweat inside it and the air will just let the sweat come off of you. Right. I, and it was based on uh, those desert survival Yeah, yeah a couple of people have sent it to us it had a lot of words i, I got sleepy um there was there Wait, was a cartoon one of you, on. hold on isn't one of you asian so one of you should be able to absorb this material like crazy right and remember it was it all a, there was anime on Chuck's oh. like a math kind of asian i got sleepy i am not a math asian i got like d's in algebra i watch a lot of k-pop <laughs> I, I mean, do they talk anything about the base layers involved, though? Did that have any... Because that, to me, is what makes or breaks your ability to be comfortable in hot weather. And, of course, drinking water. You can't just go all day without drinking something. So oh, water. I, I, yeah, right? that's kind of a big one, huh? In my personal writing experience and all the writing I've done in the summer, I've done a lot of hot weather writing, which I don't know why I signed up for that, but it, I rode in 100 degrees up in Weaverville, which is almost to Oregon. It's like in the middle of California. Off 36, we did three, we went up three as well. It was a hundred. I was actually not wearing mesh gear. So I wore my hybrid leather pants, which um, I love. And I wore, um, oh wait, did I wear my light textiles that aren't mesh either? Wait, wait, wait. So, so what are you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You nerds. No, when Revit pants call the Gear 2s, and they're not an open mesh. They're just a really light textile. But with that and my climb and drinking water, I was fine. Okay, so the base layers is the most important bit. So I'm curious, what do you think about the cooling vests that are out there? There's the uh, the ones where you kind of soak them in water. There's yeah. the funny otter pop vest. The otter vest. pop vest, yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're great. I mean, the, some of the girls I rode with when we did uh, Weaverville and Lost Coast, they were wearing them, and I, I kind of wish I had one. I have a lot of friends that use them. I think they're a really great option because if you are also the kind of person that just runs warm, you know, some people it's run a little warmer, mm-hmm. you'll probably need that. I'm a little bit smaller. I think as a petite woman, I tend to run cooler. I'm always cold. Not that I was cold in 100, but <laughs> I think that just generally in my baseline is I'm always on the cooler side. I think if I were a larger woman, I definitely would have needed the cooling vest because, you know, women of average size, which is about a 12-14, they tend to run a little warmer. People, you know, even guys who are a little bit larger, tend, just guys in general, tend to run warmer. For women, I brought this up with my wife, and she's like, I don't want to put on one of those things. It's going to be like a wet t-shirt contest when I take it off. I mean, I was like, I failed to see well, the problem, dear. But- <laughs> well, if you're wearing, you know, a dark base layer, it's not a big deal. But Moving on from the hot weather stuff, since yeah. now all our listeners know drink water, wear good base layers, and yeah. you know, get something light. Otter pop. Right. 
Otter Pop. Pop sure. um, let's talk about this uh, AMA Women's Conference you were at. I personally have a really great time. It was my first conference. This is the fifth one they've had. They're only every three years because it's really expensive. It's it's a you know it's a really big ordeal. It was awesome. It was in Carson City, Nevada, so it was ninety a hundred you know ninety ninety five every day. So it was hot. I have one question. Yeah. Were there pillow fights? Oh, I bet there were giggling ones. I I saw a movie about this. It was. A, Never mind. What about that prison movie one? Was it like that? It might have been in, <laughs> you know, maybe over at the Buddy Ranch. But that's not where the conference was, Chuck. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Carson City is the capital of Nevada. It's more mainstream. It was like a little, re- almost not like the outskirts of Reno. But um, it was a nice little town. and It's like Reno without all the class. <laughs> yeah, without the neon, I guess. <laughs> That's where the big cowboy lives, right? With the the big neon cowboy guy? I think so. (laughs) That's Vegas. Wrong part of Nevada. I don't pay attention. I'm not sober when I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. There were demo rides from Kawasaki, Yamaha, Kimco, Harley, and a Victor dealer also came out and brought a few bikes out. So there were a lot of demo rides. They were free all weekend long. Cowie brought the most because they have a huge demo fleet. When they do demos, they bring every model. They don't skimp out on their demos. Whereas like Yamaha, they only have, they had half the bikes available to ride. There were really great rides also planned and organized by the Women's Motorcyclist Foundation. So you could go out and do a destination, like an hour ride to Zephyr Cove of Lake, in Lake Tahoe. And there were also off-road and dual sport rides too. Oh, good deal. Go, yeah, you could go dual sporting or off-roading as well. There were off-road classes taught by my friends Bonnie and Andrea from CoachToRide.com. There was something for everyone. I mean, the only thing that we didn't have was a track day. What kind I, of trends or topics were, were you guys covering in the, in the seminar? There was a little of everything. There was everything from solo adventure travel to eating healthy on the road while you're traveling. What? To, yes. I'm confused. Randy, uh, the, he's the VP of Shoebirth North America, and Shoebirth was one of the main sponsors, and he did a really great seminar breaking down all the different kinds of international helmet safety standards. Hmm. And, it, and it was great because he gave it in such a in such an objective way, not I'm the VP of Schubert and this is why you should buy a Schubert, but this is how, you know, here are the standards, here's how they work, here's the differences between the standards, you know, SNEL, BSI, ECE, DOT, and he just broke them down in a very objective, uh, neutral way, just to give us information. Another one that was fantastic, that really, I think, sets the tone for definitely the next conference, but for a lot of us women who are in the industry, just the numbers, the statistics of women riding, how many women own motorcycles, uh, you know, now as a compared to five years ago and which manufacturers suck at selling motorcycles to women. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Who sucks the most? Well, I wouldn't say that any of them suck per Ducati. se, but Ducati, uh, say Ducati, say it. I'm not going to say anything except that. She's not going to say Kawasaki. Kawasaki. <laughs> I'm not going to give any names and except that there's a lot of work to do. There's still a, so far to go. And unfortunately, I think the one that's – sadly, the one that's doing it the best is Harley. Oh, that's been the case for oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're really – really, really strong about marketing to women. And the other manufacturers have to go about it a little bit differently because they're not you – know, at least the sport bike market anyway – in a different way. And I think they're still figuring that out, which was really cool. We had OEM representatives from Honda, from Kawasaki, really there with a vested interest in what do we need to know about 
the women's writing community today? You know, what's going on with women? They what? don't all want to ride on back? Uh, or they don't all want Harleys without I'm them. confused. <laughs> they had groups where they were asking us questions like, what do you ride? Why do you ride? What do you wear? What kind of aftermarket accessories do you like to buy for your bike? And it wasn't brand specific, like, you know, who's a Harley person? It was just, what are you riding? How did you start? Just How can we get you to spend more money? <laughs> <laughs> please tell us. Oh, my God. Please tell us. <laughs> we made this in pink. What more do you want? Let <laughs> me start on that, man. One statistic that just totally floored me, and I think more people need to know this. In 2005, the new bike sales in the U.S., 1140000 49,000 units. In 2010, the number was 560,000. That is a 50%, 50% drop. 50%. And in 2011, it's estimated at under 500,000. Okay, that's a huge change. Then you have to think about, okay, if in 2010, the new bike sales were 560,000, of that percentage, how many were women? maybe 20%, something like that. It's not half yet, but it's, you know, we're getting there, but we're, you know, we're like a 15, 20%. And then of that number, how many women are investing in gear or will even want to invest in gear? And then you have to look at that number and go, okay, that's the true market. Mm, so pretty small. That's the thing is it is still mm-hmm. very small. And I struggle with this every day. Every day I talk to a woman, especially at the conference, and they're just, it's the same complaint. Why are there more options? Because we're just not as big as we could be. We will be. We're growing, but it's so slow. When you compare it to like casual clothing, which is, you know, a billion dollar market, well, hell yeah, there are many options. But when you just look at that number, 560,000 units, and of that number, it's less than 200,000. It's amazing we have the options that we do. And we have more women writers. Yeah. And so there's a lot of talk about how do we increase these numbers? What do we need to do to get twice as many women riding in five, three to five years? How do we get our, grow our numbers? What do we need to do? Well, I'll say this. Chuck Chuck and I are helping, but it's going to take about 20 years before we've added <laughs> women riders. These guys are so helpful. We're, we're helping hey, a lot. What? Is that sarcasm? Our exes are faster swimmers, obviously. Yeah, it's sarcasm. <laughs> But we're we're glad we're glad we have. I've killed Chuck. I said our exes are faster swimmers, which is why we're adding we're adding more women to the pool. Just oh, take it'll take about twenty years. Right, right. Oh Lord. Well, Joanne, I'm I'm glad today that we still do have women like you out there put fighting the good fight so that our daughters will have awesome bike and gear choices. Trying. In about twenty years. Trying. Yes. So Joanne's site is gearchick.com. Check her out for gear tips and other stuff. Anything cool they should uh, check out that's brand spanky shiny new, Joanne? My next event in October, which is really cool, uh, if you're in California, it's called Horizons Unlimited, and it's all about people who travel on their motorcycles, regardless of lifestyle or bike choice. It's just about people who love to ride and travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Grant and Susan Johnson, right? Yep. 
And yeah, yeah. I'm going to be speaking and I'll be doing seminars. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, it was great having you on, Joanne. Thanks a bunch. All right. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. So base layers. I didn't. I never really thought about base layers that much. You know, I didn't really either, except as I was thinking about it, that green shirt I was wearing yeah. this last weekend, that yeah. was a base layer. I just put it on because it seemed like it would be comfy underneath, and it was. Yeah, I just wear T-shirts. and, mm-hmm. and Long sleeve T-shirts are okay, and cert- certainly in the summer, if you want to get cooler, slightly damp cotton, i.e. cotton that you're sweating in, isn't bad for that. Mm. That same thing that makes it dangerous in the winter makes it good in the summer up to a certain point. Last time I was in cycle gear, they were really pushing the, the Klim stuff, the mm-hmm. tight spandexy looking stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I almost got it because I was like, well, I'm going to have to ride back from San Diego through Nevada to Utah. <laughs> <laughs> it was 110 coming out. <laughs> yeah. Go back inside. I'd like some of that now, please. <laughs> I want you to freeze me <laughs> and then just point me toward Utah. Can you just put all my gear in your freezer for a while and then I will take it out and then go. I need all the Otter Pops. <laughs> sir, we don't understand. All the Otter Pops. <laughs> Three boxes, sir. <laughs> then I can just eat them on the way. <laughs> yeah, as they, as they melt, you can eat them. <laughs> Your helmet will be stickier than ever. Oh. So Kawasaki's got a, a bike coming. Yes. Apparently they noticed that Honda was making a CB250. And kicking the shit out of them with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so they've come back with uh, a response. Mm. And that response was, fuck you. Yeah, near <laughs> as we can tell. So we have a, uh, for 2013, a new Wii Ninja. Yeah, it's a Ninja, Ninja 250. I've, I've heard rumors that it was supposed to be 300, which is like 50 more. So, <laughs> damn. Going to have optional uh, ABS and fuel injection. And mm-hmm. It's going to be a modern-looking bike. Kind of looks like a Zixer. Yeah, well, they, they updated the look a couple years ago. Um, and then I think yep. they further updated it now and put in those things like fuel injection and ABS. ABS, I see as optional fuel injection is really, really nice. Because I will tell you right now, the carbs on the Ninja 250... Real pain in the ass if it sits for any length of time. Mm, yeah. I suppose you had one. You know all about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Ninja 250 from the uh, trailer at work can be pretty well counted upon to be a bastard to get started. <laughs> You're going to be a little bitch, aren't you, you little shit? Kick, <laughs> kick. <laughs> well, in, in its defense, it's been ridden hard and put away wet. That's true. Day after day after they live, day. They live hard lives, <laughs> our trainer bikes. But it's nice that Kawasaki's finally realized that other people make this bike and they have to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if the uh, if the CB250, which is a fantastic bike, does nothing else, if it kicks Kawasaki in the ass to take their lost leader bike and make it a little better, great. Yeah, because I'm all about Team Kawasaki now. Cause, mm, yes, know, that's you, huh? I'm part of them. Team Green? Team, team Green. You're going to have to get a green suit and a green coat and a, yeah. your Eric Buell racing sticker. That's just going to go. Have to be retired. It's going to go right over the tank. Good, and it'll bounce right in. Yeah, someone will be like, "Is that the new Buell?" You'll be like, "Yeah," like <laughs> I do with mine at the BMW dealership. Is that the new BMW? Oh, gross! It runs so great. You think it was Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> Zing! <laughs> the trouble is, all the people who get the joke don't explain it to them. No, no. And now to the listener email portion of our show. Holy crap! Did people write to us? Yeah, no kidding. A lot of people wrote to us. So let me, I'll read this first one. Dear Chuck and Todd, is the Tonko sheep detector really as good as it seems from your show? Yes. Yes, it is. You should buy one. Buy two. Mm. Buy ten. Moving on. John writes, Chuck and Todd, 
Hope all is well and glad to hear you're back in production. Here's a question that may border on the stupid. I have been riding bikes for 25 plus years and currently ride a 1972 XLCH, which somehow manages to get put in a HD group with minimal douchebag factor. Mm. <laughs> I also have a two-year boxer. And we just lost a listener. <laughs> that I'd like to take on trips with me. Is there, one, a good source of information that you're aware of that can help with getting the dog used to the sidecar? Two, basic what should you know about sidecar resource? And three, is it wholly irresponsible to stick a dog in the sidecar as this common practice? Four, will this, in your opinion, greatly increase the D-bag factor? I promise not to put one of those leather aviator caps on him. You have to. If you don't put the leather aviator cap on him... It won't increase the D-bag factor. Dogs in sidecars are great. Dogs love it in sidecars. Lots of people have side dogs mm-hmm. in sidecars. One of the one of the poster children for dogs in sidecars is Ara um, of OasisOfMySoul.com. Yep. He rides around on now a heavily modified Ural with his dog Spirit in the sidecar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you totally can get a dog in the sidecar. Great source of information about getting it used to the sidecar is frankly going to ADV Rider and going to the hacks section. I prowl around there a lot, and a lot of the guys there have the sidecar specifically to ride with the dog, and there's that discussion comes up a lot of how to get the dog used to it. The gist of it is really like getting the dog used to anything. Start by, you know, give him some treats in the sidecar, get him used to sitting in the sidecar, move up to getting him used to sitting in the sidecar with the engine running, give him some treats, get him to thinking it's a good idea, um, and then move on to start doing slow speeds, and pretty soon he'll be acclimated to it and he'll think it's fun. Sweet. The downside of this that you do see from some people on ADV riders, the dog decides the sidecar is his now. <laughs> Which you laugh at, but you get things like an Irish wolfhound sitting on the driver's seat of a Ural because it's parked in such a way he can't get into the sidecar and he's perturbed about it. (laughs) That's awesome. You also get them going outside and sleeping in the sidecar when they're outside and just want a place to sleep because it's their sidecar. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a guy from Vermont who uh, I can't remember what he goes by on there, but he's got his dog – Barley is golden retriever that rides around in his sidecar. Tons and tons of people with dogs in sidecars, and it's the dogs apparently love it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So would the the hack subform on ADV rider be good just for general resource? Hack subform is pretty good as a general resource. I highly recommend taking a class. Uh, call Claude, or if you're on the West Coast, give a call to Vernon at adventuresidecar.com. Both of them can get you into a class to teach you how to ride the sidecar because you do need to be aware that sidecars are completely different than a two-wheeler. We've talked about this before, but they shift the same, and that's about it. Mm. Next one. Hey, Todd and Chuck, I found your podcast on iTunes and have been making my way through your back episodes at work. You guys are really funny and have made the last couple weeks fly by at work. Keep doing what you are doing and fuck the critics. I never heard of the pace before listening to you, so maybe I'm one of the rare few that found Wheel Nerds first. Hey, that's kind of cool. In your face, the pace. (laughs) Take that, the pace. I find it funny that some people have so little in their lives that they have to send hate mail because they don't like you having fun with your interviewees. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, just wanted to say I've been enjoying your podcast and hope you will be on the air for many an episode. Oh, and in episode 31, your mom was right. Todd mentioned that the only part of him that was cold on the Euro was his feet. I just bought a new GS and have been looking at the various catalogs, realizing exactly how much money people have been wasting farkling the shit out of their bikes. <laughs> Holy shit. That stuff is expensive. Well, duh, you bought a GS. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to expensive town, my friend. Population you. I don't think I'll ever be able to afford all that shit for my bike and frankly don't see the need. But back to the point. I saw these things in the Winderlich catalog and thought Todd might be able to modify these for his Euro, seeing as it is a boxer type engine. It would block the wind off his feet. He sends us a picture. And so these are like screens that go around the the exit. Oh, those are awfully cute leg warmers. Do they make them for men? 
Well, they're just little shields to cover up your feet so your tootsies don't get cold. These are basically just little extra shields. I mean, I've got shields that go down to the jugs. These are pretty much shields that hang a little below the jugs and would give me a little more protection of my feet. So you could probably get some plexiglass and a heat gun and yeah, probably fab up wangle something. something up. Yeah, piece of plywood. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Not that the Ural needs more air resistance. But it's a cool idea. Certainly, it's not the wackiest idea I've ever seen for a bike. Now, the idea of somebody paying a lot of money for these, <laughs> I confess to a certain amount of head scratching. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's a GS accessory. Mm-hmm. Make it and they will buy. Yep. Someone, maybe not June, obviously, but someone will buy. Yep. Not June and not KLR Riders. No way, dude. <laughs> Next letter. Chuck, congratulations on the new bike, writes Roland. I bought several Kawasaki's here in Utah. The most recent is a 2012 Ninja 1000. Ooh. All have been California bikes, or at least had California emissions. Look for the California approval sticker, as many had the equipment, but not the sticker to save having to pay for official certification. Two dealers have told me it's rare to get a 49-state bike in any state that's even near California, and that includes as far as Colorado. Who the fuck knows? I wonder how we could find out. Seats, yeah. My stock Concourse 14 seat was a soft piece of shit. The Ninja seat's very much like your Versus seat. Shape and size are damn near the same. My Ninja seat sucked as well. Hard, yet no support. Plus the sliding forward nonsense. I bought a Sargent, and it's much better. It's still hard, but supportive. Also, the gliding forward is not there. Once it's broken in, a damn good seat. Here, watch what happens when I say Sargent to Todd. Sargent seat. (laughs) I've not had good luck with Sargent. You you you're pretty much a one seat guy. Now. I have I have gone there. There's an exception. If I had a cruiser, I would buy another Mustang. Well, that, that was a perfect Mustang. Mustangs are beautiful, are awesome. Mustangs are wonderful. Which is so weird that I mean they're they're, owned... they're actually Sergeant. That's the funny part. Oh, they're owned by Sergeant. Okay, yeah. I thought they were owned by Corporate. Which is no funny mind. because Sergeant. Makes... I knew one of them owned them. The Sergeant seats. The two I've been on, one for an RT and one for a Strom, were both complete shit. Utter and complete shit. But the Mustang was phenomenal. I haven't tried a Sergeant. The Viffer guys seem to like the Sergeant. You know, some people really like them, and I am assuming it probably is a bike-by-bike bike thing, because I generally don't like Corbins very much either, but the Corbin on Claire's bike is phenomenal. And the one on your uh, Thruxton is actually fairly decent, too. Yeah, well, yeah. well it's, it's, you know, brown leather. Yes, so I'm automatically a fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's brown. Go on. So, since I've never sat on a Sergeant seat, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you compare that to a Corbin seat? Not a whole lot different, in all honesty. Corbin would be harder, a little more supportive. The Sergeant on the Strom wasn't very supportive and kind of dug into my legs a little bit. Okay. They tend to do the same kind of thing. They make a bigger bucket that's just kind of a round bucket with no specific like support on the sides, and they push back into the passenger seat a little bit. Okay. Um, so it was kind of a lose-lose situation for us. When do you see the seat I put in a Versus? You're going you're gonna to think that's interesting. Okay, then. Another John writes to us, Guys, just got my first bike two months ago. A used Honda Shadow 750. Sweet. Congratulations. I'm utterly hooked. I ride whenever I can, which due to my job is not too often. But I've eked out about 1,300 miles so far. In two months, that's not bad. That's not too bad. That's good. I wanted a motorcycle in high school and was given the nobody in my house, yada, yada, too dangerous bike date from my parents. Which is, I got the same thing, which is funny because my father's a fighter pilot. First time I came home from college freshman year, they had bought Harley. Wait, they had gone and bought Harleys. Oh my god! <laughs> then my sister got a Buell. 
<laughs> and I spent the next six years being harangued about not having a bike by everyone in my family. So I took the MSF, which I highly encourage to everyone who's thinking of getting a bike. I'm interested in your thoughts about waving to other motorcyclists. I wave at everybody because I'm really excited to be in the club. But some folks I've talked to only wave at other cruisers or sport bikes or just not scooters or trikes. And a buddy says only if it's 250cc or up. I'm just curious to see where others draw the line. Hmm. By the way, the best gear choice I've made was my DOT Snow Full Face Helmet. Not because it's a good helmet, but because no one can see the goofy ear-to-ear grin that is permanently on my face while I ride. It's also good because people can't see you singing or picking your nose. Or licking your nose. Or making faces at them. Yeah, yeah. Who do you wave at? Pretty much anything on two wheels. I've been known to wave at people who are riding bikes up the really steep hills that we're riding on. And oh, I've seen you do encouragement. that. Yeah. Well, those, these people are like riding bikes the hard way. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, you rock! I've seen you know, do. I'll give people the wave when I'm just running on the side of the road. And actually, some guy did it to me this weekend. He's running on the side of the road and he gave me the motorcycle oh, yeah. pool guy I, wave. And I, I was like, what's up? Hi. I remember seeing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, wave, I wave at everything. I mean, you wave at other bikes. You wave at anything on two wheels. you got to wave at kids. You wave at kids. Because it's, it's, it's important that we as motorcyclists help get the next generation of motorcyclists annoying their parents early. <laughs> and plus, just, it's kids. Yeah, it's kids. It's fun. I'll wave pretty much at anyone on two wheels. Mm-hmm. For scooters, if they're geared. Yeah. If it's some D-bag in, you know, in a pop-collared shirt who's just wearing his glasses with his iPod in, I'm this I probably won't, I won't wave, yeah. I'm like, you're kind of a douche, actually. I saw a girl riding, riding her scooter on 4th South today mm-hmm. in a miniskirt. It wasn't a blonde girl on a uh, on a light blue scooter by any chance, was it? She was blonde. I don't remember the color of the scooter. That might be my old neighbor. She was coming to turn on to fourth, actually. Mm-hmm. So I saw she had she a could, mini skirt. She could very well be my old neighbor. <laughs> I was kind of surprised, to be honest. Yeah, I miss having her for a neighbor because she did this really funny thing where she'd fall off her front step and go, whoop, when she did it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd just start roaring with laughter through these crappy apartment windows that you can hear everything through. I'll wave motorcycle cops. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I wave regular cops, too, in their cars and stuff. Like, hey, we're buds. Don't arrest me. I don't wave the normal cops. Yeah? No? No. I've, I've seen, I know, actually, I've noticed you and Claire waving normal cops. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, giving them the finger, and then I wonder why I'm the one that gets tased. Yeah, funny thing about that. Yeah, I don't know. It's because I'm ethnic. Right, yes. <laughs> you're there. You're, you're brown. I could tell from the, you from know, the helmet and the suit and the gloves. Hey, you have you have them foreign characters on your jacket. <laughs> Did you see that picture of me on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By my stalker. Last email. Daniel writes, I had my Versus seat reworked by Spencer's MotoCare with the gel upgrade. After 3,400-mile round trip and three weeks to Alaska, I am very happy. MotoWorks also sells peg-lowering kits, and a Gibby windscreen actually provides some wind protection without feeling like you're behind a car windshield. Congrats on the new bike after one year, and 6,500 miles, I'm still loving mine. Whether I'm riding with my sport bike buddies or touring to Alaska, it does it all. Well, I guess two-up might suck, but that's just an excuse to own another bike. Yet another deluded Versus rider trying to convince himself someone will ride with him. Yeah, we're sorry, Versus riders. It's really better if you just come to grips with the idea of no one wants to ride behind you on your Versus. Oh, God. I'm so lonely. You own possibly the only bike dorkier than a V-Strom. That's not true. It's totally true. There's... I mean, these two bikes occupy the extreme bottom of the dork range. <laughs> what? The KLR? No, the KLR is just a dirtbag bike. <laughs> the, the, the... Yeah, you're not going to get there. Because Damn the it. V-Strom and the Versus occupy the two bottom slots in the world of dorky bikes. 
I mean, look look at the people who own these bikes. These are the people who make bike parts and also neural networks. <laughs> <laughs> the V-Strom looks like a weird retarded bug and it's ridden by geeks. The Versus looks like something from Flash Gordon and is ridden by geeks. I'm not a geek. Whatever, dude. <laughs> what do you learn? I've learned that there's always someone dorkier and it's the Versus riders. Shut up. I've learned I need a Todco sheep alarm because you never know where the sheep are. And the sheep are a real problem. God damn those sheep. That's all we got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. Buy the Todd Coast Sheep Detector. Bye now. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. So I must admit, and so far I've never endorsed any product in my entire life, apart from everything in the Terrific catalog. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to take this chance to encourage my American cousins, and you all are, even the Mexican ones, to buy some wheelnerds.com stuff. I'm going to go online, I'm going to click, click, bang, and get myself a, um, a wheelnerds.com sticker. I'm going to stick it on my top box, and it'll be there uh, for the rest of the time, until my bike is inevitably consumed in flames.